Welcome to the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Brandon Pitzer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to do one for me. That was oh. my, my goal. Uh, <clears throat> Dan Norton. There you go. Nice. All yeah. right. All right, there we are. There we are. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. <laughs> there are other people in the room. There are besides the two extravagantly introduced gentlemen <laughs> that have been named already. Um, we have Abigail Rindo. Hello, Abigail Rindo. Yeah, that's good. All right, yeah. And Stephen Callender. Abigail Whoa. Rindo is a more fun name to say. I, was, so I, I did was, twice. I was going to say that myself. Oh, ha. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have you here. Yeah. You got good taste in names. Too many syllables. He's yeah. honest. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just to explain uh, why <laughs> why they're here, why we've let them into our, our ivory tower of podcast recording. Um, <laughs> uh, Abigail is our head of production, grand viceroy of budgets and schedules. Nice. Uh, and uh, Stephen Callender is a lead programmer and smarter than... Maybe me and Dan put together. That's right. <laughs> There's lots of say. kinds of intelligence. <laughs> no, that's lovely. That's, that's very lovely. generous. It's yeah. yeah. very generous yeah. of you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to them today about uh, what they do, um, what, what it is exactly that they do, and uh, what, you know, why, why they're here at Filament Games, helping us accomplish our missions, plural. Um, but before we get into that, I have a question for Dan Norton. Sure. What are you playing? Oh, well. Video game-wise. Um, I have entered the third, uh, I don't want to say the third dimension, because that, that's not correct. I've entered the third plane of Crashlands. All right. I've entered right. the frozen tundra. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. It actually is beautiful. It's right. a new right. land, and uh, the, I think they're seal people. They seem like very oh. straightforward, <laughs> honorable, hardworking. The uh, salt of the earth seal people. Yeah, yeah. They seem They seem legit. <laughs> The 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 uh, shady bird people of the previous realm were interesting, but uh, I think but they be, were shady. They You're were right. shady. Yeah, I mean they're living on a a creature that yeah. is that is a swamp that is a creature. Yeah. So that <laughs> this all makes sense if you've played the game. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's been uh, that's been good. I uh, I don't know. I, I I know we already talked about Crashland, so I don't want to spend a bunch of time on. It, but mm-hmm. the whole phone and Steam thing is really lovely. Mm-hmm. Like. I, you know, I tucked into bed early and I just was like, well, you know, I'm just going to do a round and gather up pieces of various animals and plants, <laughs> uh, you know, some, you know, and get myself another round of armor iteration that was, you know, I didn't have to move the quest forward or fight anything particularly hard. I could just crank on that my mobile phone and then mm-hmm. hop on Steam and play in confidence later. Uh, it's really, uh, I think it. Well, I guess Hearthstone too is a, another game I've played across platform, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the cross platform play to me is still pretty impressive. It's cool. got to be the, the way of the future. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I'm so I'm playing. You haven't asked, but I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm playing uh, Stardew Valley That's right, right now, which yep. is you know dominating Steam. The and, kids are into it. Yeah, the games press is breathlessly wondering how this indie game is dominating the Steam market, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know how they're doing it, but it, it is so good. 
Um, but yeah, I do actually, I, I find myself longing for the cross-platform compatibility. I'm like, man, I wish I could play this on my phone hmm. to continue my- You should send them a stern letter. My paralyzing obsession with this game, um, which if, if you're uninitiated is essentially a Harvest Moon type game with some rune factory elements mixed in and then some- very sticky dungeon crawling in the mines, and yeah, it's it's completely colonized my brain. <laughs> it sounds it sounds I've, spectacular. I've capitulated basically. Yeah. Um, how about you guys? What are you guys playing? Anything? Uh, right now, I'm playing Oxenfree and City Skylines. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I don't know Oxenfree. Yeah. What's that? Oh, it's delightful. It's this um, pseudo narrative driven, just kind of wandering game, and it has this really lovely watercolor style aesthetic, even mm. though it's in 3D, and then um, a really nice simple mechanic where you're dialing in with a radio, and it's it's got kind of it's it's kind of a tense um, style game, but it's not horror related or anything like that. Interesting, it's kind of a mystery driven game. All right, but it's a bunch of teenagers on an island and be doing teenager things, but it, they're not written to the point where they are, uh, you know. Cringeworthy. Nice. Because <laughs> so I a... just played Life is Strange and some of the dialogue, and that is terribly cringeworthy. Oh, okay. Oxentry, I thought, was written a little better, actually. So it's nice. a stress inducing 3D watercolor <laughs> adventure experience. Actually, it is kind of stressful, even though the aesthetic is super peaceful. Interesting. And there's this really relaxing element to it. The, 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 the tension in it is kind of stressful. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying Skylines as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm playing that game. It's it's everything SimCity should have been. Oh, I right. know. I'm willing to say that. I feel like record. I haven't played Skylines, but from everything I've read, it's like the platonic form of SimCity. It's like yep. what it was always intended to be. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely play it. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've actually gotten a city off the ground. Like, that. that's something I never managed to do in SimCity. <laughs> do you mean? Like, like, literally, it, 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 it became mildly successful as a community. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's... It th- thrived <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, I thought uh, you were talking about, in the, I don't remember, was it two, SimCity 2000 where you could build the Arcos and then your city could literally get oh, off the ground? Oh, yeah. But, but no. no. I was not referring to that. Okay. No. Bitterly disappointing. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah. I will never play that game now. <laughs> <laughs> I will buy a copy and throw it away. That's so, that's so I don't even know how you would do that. Well, it's, at first I had to download it and then... Throw your computer away. Like, put it on an external drive. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then throw it away. Steven, what are you playing, man? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, you know, it's different when you're a game developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you just play games for reference material right. or client references something. Mm-hmm. The most recent one of those is a little game called Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake. It's kind I've of a heard of it. retro I have, I have little world that runs on phones and it kind of fits in with this client's target uh, for what they want. So huh. I just loaded that up and played that yesterday. All right. So is it like a cake crafting game with monster battles? No, it's oh. it's like uh, well, it's hard for me to describe it completely since I haven't finished it. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. But uh, you're a completionist. I am. Oh. Indeed. All right. Zelda. Oh, he's uh, wearing a Zelda, Zelda T-shirt. Yeah. 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 All our viewers the... at home who can't see it. Yes. Oh, All that's weird, isn't yeah. it? Well, the viewers can't see it. It's... Yeah. Yeah, he is branded. He's branded with the Triforce. Yes, let's just leave it it at that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's puzzly, um, uh, story-driven puzzle stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very nice.
Aside from playing, we're also working. And I'd like to know what it is that you two do <laughs> in your workday. So let's start with uh, let's start with Abigail. What does your job involve here? So as head of production, I'm primarily in charge of just making sure that the trains run on time. There's uh, we have several projects that we're usually doing at a time, and just making sure that we have the right people on those projects and making sure we're staying in budget on those projects and, uh, yeah, submitting, getting proposals ready for new projects. Um, I wonder how many times I can say projects in a single sentence (laughs) (laughs) without getting drawl. How many times do you think you've said it in your life? Oh, Oh. so quite a few. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah, we could we could do like a jelly bean jar kind of contest with that. <laughs> right in with your guests. Mm-hmm. We'll give away some game codes. Well, I think we'd give away a jar of jelly beans. Is probably the, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, a jar of projects. <laughs> mm. All right, cool. And Stephen, how about you? Yeah, so uh, at a high level, I uh, type at a keyboard, and I try to make pretty colored patterns light up on a screen. All right. And some Mm -hmm. days, the patterns go horribly, horribly wrong. Nice. Uh, uh, Yeah, the the essence of being a programmer. I I solve a lot of problems. Sure. I work with a lot of technology. Ultimately... You know, you can think about the artists that they create a lot of the art, and then like sometimes you like to think of the programmer as a person that gives them life. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes them do interesting things. Hmm. So you know, uh, I'm I'm curious to hear like kind of how you guys wound up at Filament. Like, what what were your paths? You know, separately, obviously. <laughs> I don't think I think you just met, right? Like, <laughs> just now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, how kind of what what path did you take? Um, to get into the uh, the challenging and also deeply rewarding learning games market. Well, we actually, I think both of us started in mobile, didn't we? In terms of game dev? Uh, I actually created my own learning game, educational game did studio out really? of school. Yeah. I didn't oh, know right. that. We, d- we uh, destroyed that studio. <laughs> did. On purpose. We did indeed. The, so that we could get Steven in shock. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, the, br- <laughs> the brutality of the yeah. learning games market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the the learning games educational space, uh, games for kids. Uh, that I'll just keep going now at this point. Is that fair? Okay, yeah. just run with it. Um, yes, that's always been pretty deeply ingrained in my, in my uh, in my backstory. And then even after that experience, which lasts about a year and a half, you know, we landed a couple contracts. This was two thousand and. 2007 through 2009 so trying to get venture capital at that point right and history was extremely difficult mm-hmm. um but we we soldiered on for, for a while that's a we, long we did yeah a, we did a couple cool projects we did one on financial literacy which is i'm still pretty passionate about um we did a historical piece for the white house historical association mm-hmm. which um which worked out really well uh we had some other projects that didn't go so well. Sure. <laughs> From there, I made a jump to then uh, after that, I worked uh, for a company that no longer exists, made a game that no longer exists, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, spent two years writing UI for an MMO, and it was a, it's a kid's MMO. Um, so again, kind of the kid's space, uh, uh, particularly since they dipped, I think, all the way down to, I think, uh, I think six was was their low end of of their audience, six year olds, um, and there were so many talks that we had on that project just about uh, reading ability mm-hmm. um, and how much text to show, how long to leave text on screens, 
Yeah. And with it was like a big AAA budget, so we had all that stuff fine tuned. We had we had kids at the office um, all the time. That sounds that sounds kind of yeah. terrible. <laughs> Small hands. Uh, no, we did we did play Strapped testing regularly uh-huh. every week. Um, uh, and we had, you know, not only we'd have a video on their face, we had a video on their screen, then we had video of their hands on the keyboard. And a lot of our controls were even based off, you know, kids have smaller hands; they mm-hmm. can't, they can't reach all over the keyboard the same way an adult can. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man! So how many how many companies were between there and here? I think four, five. Actually, I'm I'm sorry. Can we go back? So like, how did you? What were the decisions made for the small hand user experience? That's I mean, my first thought was you start shipping smaller keyboards with a yeah fewer fewer buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. How does what what were the decisions made around that? Because that's fascinating to me. Oh man, I'm not sure I can remember uh, the specifics. I know we were pretty adamant about uh, uh, being able to remap the keyboard. That was a pretty big deal. Sure. But then at the same time, how many people actually remap their keyboards for games? There's some serious gamers that like I do that every time. Are you mm-hmm. joking? Most people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I'm guessing you didn't use the number keys at all. Yeah, that was that was one thing. So mm, I think we yeah. had uh, we had WASD or arrow keys for movement. Right. Um, a lot of stuff used the mouse, but even even like maybe like WASD little... mouse is not necessarily yeah. Like some kids will use both hands on the mouse when they're little. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just really focused on it. <laughs> it's yep. like a Ouija board. It's not a realm of their. It's not a realm of control. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think first person uh shooter players by and large have forgotten uh just how incredibly complicated using WASD and a mouse at the same time really is for like the amount of decisions that your brain has like boiled down into like just a hardware level understanding of how to move around a 3D space is like crazy. Yep. And when you see someone who is not a first-person game player, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you move around with the keys, and the mouse does the, the mouse is like your head, right?" And you watch, you know, they'll just spin in place for for thirty minutes because oh it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculously <laughs> challenging. It's like kind of thinking back to, I, I can remember struggling so hard with like a dual joystick mm-hmm. style of input, mm-hmm. and now it's like second nature, and you know, I don't even think about it when I'm using that, but. I remember, I think it was Halo was the first time that mm-hmm. I really encountered that because I was not a Sony. <laughs> I did not have a PlayStation. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that there's a there's a lot of literacy that can be assumed that you have to test for in those scenarios, right? Um, because there is there's definitely definitely differentiation between what is a serious gamer versus someone who's just probably got basic computer literacy. Yeah, and just trying to. Uh get all the thoughts out that I can on the whole keyboard thing. I think mm-hmm. we did use a couple number keys, but I think we only used like one, two, three, four, and that was it. And we limited our system to like four skills or abilities. Okay. They're activated by those keys. And I think the other thing that we did was we got rid of any any kind of key combos. There was no like yeah. shift or yeah. control. That makes perfect sense. No, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Um, but, but at that point, it became that much harder to map your keys because you're – you're using one unique key per action. Once yeah. you get rid of the key combos, then it's kind of... Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, so Abigail, tell me about kind of your background in uh, mobile and how, how you went from there to here. Well, um, before this, I was working for a company here in town that also makes mobile games. Mm-hmm. Um 
I had actually um, decided to change careers from academic administration and nonprofit to um, games. Um, I had been offered a assistant director position and after some thought decided to apply to places that were basically dream jobs Okay. and see, you know, kind of chuck my hat in the ring and see if I, any, anything bit and, um, yeah, and I and that's how I got started actually. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I came by it fairly circuitously, but mm-hmm. it's been a, a really interesting experience. Um, I was I, I've actually worked in a little bit of everything now at this point. Um, I, I've done a little bit of dev and game writing and design and um, some marketing as well. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. At Filament, kind of, we have a very specific mission, which I will now say with great drama and theatricality i'm ready we create playful experiences that improve people's lives nice that's it that's nice so you know what does that mean to you guys like what is it about that that you know kind of draws you here um if you heard that sound that was a dog we have a dog in the studio right now oiler the dog oiler the dog yeah Looking at me rather yeah. balefully right now. That's her. That's her specialty. The yeah. baleful. The Sarah McLaughlin music kicks in, you know, just, and then you got to throw her the ball. Yeah, it's like one of those tiny little Hallmark card speakers just on her collar. Yeah, all just perpetually playing. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. What is it? What does that mission mean to you guys? What, you know, what what excites you about that, and and kind of why? Well, from my perspective, I I think that. Um, you know, because playing games is such an experiential um, media mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that games in general impact people's lives. It's how we choose to impact them that's important. And I think here at right. Filament, we make conscious choices about how we're going to impact people's lives with the media that we choose. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that was what was appealing to me. That's great. Yeah, some of you might remember me from the Filmin's uh, blog, which I guess I can oh, yeah. promote. Oh, right? yeah. That's a thing. Go to the blog. Yeah, there's a blog. Slash blog. blog. I write blog. for it sometimes. There's a blog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steven writes most of it. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think the way that I would phrase it is when anyone's trying to um, create a game, a, a compelling, interesting game, um, they're trying to create an experience where you get more interested, invested, and excited about potential experiences in that space. And what learning games try to do and educational games try to do is, well, we're also trying to create that. We want you to enjoy the experience that we're creating, but mm-hmm. we want we want to intrigue you and pique your interest about starting the subject even more outside of the game. Um, you should learn something in the game and get excited about whatever that theme was, whether it's space or biology, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the goal. That's 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 where the mission resonates mm-hmm. with me. Very cool. The 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 positions that you guys occupy too are you know, specifically for some of the younger people that we interact with. Um, it's extremely appealing. Like there's a lot of um, especially for students, there's a lot of mystique about being in games and working at a game studio. Um, so I'm curious about, like, you know, what kind of advice would you guys have for someone who's an aspiring 
uh, producer or engineer who wants to really get into the business, um, you know, kind of what what steps should they take? What what paths should they pursue? Uh, well, from my perspective, and I I think we've actually talked about this, Stephen, is um, making things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just 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 get out there and make something. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, depending on on what it is that you want to do, there are so many different roles that you can take in 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 games and and actually get out there and using the tools, um, making sure that uh, you understand how they work, seeing what you like doing, just experimenting. Yeah, I think I think engineering is pretty pretty traditional kind of course of action that is laid out in front of you. Uh, you want to take a lot of math, or at least I took a lot of math. I'll state it that way. Um, most places offer computer science degrees. Actually, in high school, the best I think we had in high school was typing. I actually didn't start programming until I was in college. Um, so it's, I guess, in one sense, it's not too late to start. So you're saying you should type? No, don't, don't waste <laughs> so your time with typing. that. Okay. <laughs> Coding um, is just basically knowing where home row is. It's just basically typing, that's right? That's I it. mean, yeah. I look at Steven all day. What's he doing? Just hitting keys. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyone can do that. <laughs> well, I mean, c- computer systems are one one giant math model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For production, you need a lot of math too. A lot of people don't realize that, um, just because a lot of it's a, it's one big giant logic puzzle. Yeah, right. In a lot of ways, and, and you, you know, you work on a lot of spreadsheets, don't you? <sighs> yes, <laughs> I can appreciate a good spreadsheet. That's for sure. <laughs> You know, one thing. Uh, actually, I'm I'm interested is if Stephen will confirm or disconfirm this. I feel like I'm pretty confident Abigail will agree that being able to write this ridiculously important, like real writing skills. Like, I just find them like essential for all things for living for for yeah. being a, any kind of remotely usable adult. <laughs> you gotta know how to write because writing also informs how you think and how you speak. Mm-hmm. So like top-notch writing skills and then i know that steven is a good writer i've read his writing but yep. i'm curious whether or not you think writing directly impacts your ability to make make the games i mean i, I can definitely say that uh making games is a super collaborative environment mm-hmm. and that's probably the one thing that in school if you're doing math or computer science you work in isolation a ton mm-hmm. and you really need to find some outlet um, to move forward where you're working in groups, where you're working with someone that's an artist and you have to figure out how to communicate programmy things to an artist and the artist needs to figure out how to commute artistic things mm-hmm. to, to a programmer. Mm-hmm. And there's just no no getting around it. So, uh, uh, so yes, writing's super important, but just communication in general yeah. is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've, I've noticed with a lot of and young engineers that come out straight out of college, they think that they can do everything. And you need to make sure that you trust in your team's skills um, and l- learn to work with them because that, that's that, that's one thing I've noticed in, in, in a few of the projects that I've worked on, not necessarily here but at other places, um, is, is that everyone has their own unique skills. And, and fortunately here we've got people with a ton of different talents. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, just just assuming that you can do everything isn't necessarily the best way to go. Right. Well, right. Actually, we can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do create worlds from scratch, so that, that uh, is that is a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. I, I, I know I'm I'm being glib, but uh, <laughs> glib on yeah. our podcast. <laughs> 
Uh, Cut the tape. Because we have tape, by the way. We use tape to record these. Uh, I I wouldn't say necessarily anything is possible. Many, many things are possible, but it's all a function of time, right? Mm -hmm. I could do that. I could, Mm -hmm. but it's going to take months. And then when you say that's going to take months, it usually causes mass hysteria. Yes. Mm So, you know, if you guys weren't doing the jobs that you're doing right now, what would you be doing? Steven, presumably you'd be running the company that we destroyed. Yeah. Um, No regrets. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to read in this question. Are are you almost almost asking if I wasn't a programmer, what would I do? Or just if I wasn't at Filament, what would I do? I'm just going to leave that up to you, man. All right. Well, I mean, if it wasn't a filament, it's a pretty simple answer. I would just continue to make games. All right. All um, right. Whether that's independently or part of another organization, not sure. Now, if it wasn't programming, what would I do? That's harder. Uh, uh, hmm. Run a puppy farm. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All yeah. right. There I you could, go. Uh, you know, be a personal trainer in Hawaii. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I mean, literally, there's millions of options. <laughs> at that point. That's a good point. That there is, are there are many question. jobs. Yeah, if you can't, yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think that's a cooler question. Like, yeah, you can't do what you do now. What would you do? So, Rindo, what would you do if you can't? If you couldn't do what you do now? If I couldn't make games? Yeah, um, games have been erased from the world. Out- outlawed. Outlawed. I-, I would probably go back into wildlife rehabilitation. Oh man, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, when I when I lived in California, I, I worked at a wildlife rehabilitation center for um, a while, and it was it was a really amazing experience. Mm. It was rough and very dirty, <laughs> but just so fulfilling. It was amazing. Which prepared you for the <laughs> the pigsty <laughs> in which we operate. Um, what about you, Brandon? I don't I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking about this. Like this is a good question. Yeah. I'm also Which super I'd, interested in robotics. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, it might be a little too similar, but <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah. As long it, as you're not programming them, that's fine. So you're polishing them or <laughs> hitting them with a golf club, make I sure they don't break. I yeah. You're that guy. <laughs> you're the guy at Boston Dynamics <laughs> that kicks the robot as it walks by. <laughs> Those videos are hilarious. Yeah. Though. It is always the same guy, by the way. That's really? Like, yeah. It's always one guy. Just, I'm sure he has some other purpose at that job. But... to rough up the robots. Yep, he's the robot rougher-upper. <laughs> he's the heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing. I have no idea. This is it. I have no imagination outside of this job. Well, I mean, yeah. there's some really um, bizarre jobs out there. Like, I can never figure out how the guy that drives around the Google car that takes pictures with for Google Street View, mm-hmm. yeah. how did he get that? There's no experience that you could have before you just got that job. You have a driver's license. Oh, yeah. yeah you know yeah. what? That, that you, you actually... think anyone with a driver's license is going to let drive around with million-dollar equipment on the roof? All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it looks like a disco ball on top maybe of it. Have you seen it true. before? Maybe I would look towards the trucking industry. Yeah, maybe. Right? Like yeah. people who've put in a lot of hours driving. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I just thought I'd, I would be a photographer of, like, astronomy. I'll take those like super long exposure Milky Way shots, just sitting on a mountain in the dark by myself. Nice. <laughs> that's the that. ideal. Nice. Would you, uh, <laughs> you use traditional photo equipment, or would you be doing like the X-ray stuff? Probably not the X-ray stuff. I would get like there's like telescopes that work with a a Canon, mm-hmm, which is all mm-hmm. I use. I don't use Nikon because I I don't understand their interface. 
but uh yeah <laughs> that's what i do how about you norton i was i was gonna say that so. <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know i really like working with people i right. really like creative problems um i think there's an alternate version of reality where i work for a really subversive possibly evil marketing agency mm. like you guys ever see like the first episode of mad men yeah and they're like let's make ads for lucky strikes mm-hmm. i was so amped for that show because i was like what a wonderful problem mm. how do you sell this thing that kills the people that buy it <laughs> I was like this, and I was, I thought Mad Men was going to be my favorite show of all time. Yeah, because I thought every episode was going to be hinged around a really interesting no. uh, advertising problem. It, it gets awfully soapy, <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, it's blistering misogyny is the real topic. <laughs> and while, uh, yeah, so I think I might work for mm. uh, an evil marketing company. Oh man, yeah. Let's let's make our dreams come true, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally down for that. Right? Can you? Yeah. If, yeah so if you're if you're like going to be selling, if your photos like cause cancer, I want to like market them, and uh, and then <laughs> somehow capture the actual radiation yep. from the sun, mm-hmm. and then um, Stephen can make the robot that carries the equipment that mm-hmm. also might be deadly, and you can hit that robot, and then you have to rehabilitate. <laughs> Are there, where are the animals? We need to get animals in there. <laughs> this is a strange agency. This is a strange agency. We solve a very particular problem. <laughs> I'll, I'll just rehabilitate all the puppies that you kick. That's right. In yes. Between yeah. meetings. Perfect. <laughs> all right then. Problem solved. Yeah. It yeah. seems like it seems like there's really only one thing left to do. <gasps> With our time today, that was that one was actually surprising. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Josh, Josh is really he's like in tune with my yeah with my prompts now. Welcome to Contronym Corner. Welcome to Contronym Corner, the weekly segment where we talk about a word and then rate that word. Right. So, just so you guys know, a contronym <laughs> is a word that ideally also means the opposite of itself. That is so, what a contronym is. However. Pre- the the community of contronyms is actually filled with lots of contention and strife over the quality of the words that have been defined as contronyms. Not all of them are great contronyms. So we will um, we usually bring one out and then uh, we mull on it. Sometimes it's not obvious how it's a contronym, and then we rate it. So it sounds to me like you guys are just trying to be sarcastic but subtly. No, no, no. <laughs> this is, we love, uh, our enthusiasm Brandon, yeah. is genuine. <laughs> Brandon, and I, well, so Brandon and I both have problems sounding genuine when we want to. That is true. But uh, <laughs> that's that's like the ramification of like pure, deep Midwestern deadpan. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. You only use context for your sarcasm. So mm-hmm. occasionally you say a thing where you actually mean it, and the yeah. person's like, "Oh, come on, you." Right. And you're like. No, I, I actually like that. Yeah, if something yeah. was deeply stupid and inane, we would never do it on a no, weekly basis. No, no, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. And we wouldn't come up with a whimsical theme song for it either. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I've got it. Is I've this got... a stumper, or do you think this is a... I don't think... I don't know if it's a stumper. Okay. We're all, they're pretty smart people okay. in the room with us today. Um, but yeah, you guys, we're going to leave it up to the guests to first figure out how it's a contronym. And then rate just, you know, what your opinion of it is, I guess. Um, <laughs> so um, the word is uh, garnish. 
garnish. You're talking about the pretty food that goes on your plate that you usually don't eat. We could be. Unless you're garnishing my wages, then it's that, sad. See, that's probably that's probably why it's a contronym. He's got it. So in one case, something is being provided, but in another case, it's being withdrawn. Right. Can I? No, I'm not going to weigh in. I want to weigh in. <laughs> I want to weigh in. Stifle but yourself. Last, last, last <laughs> podcast, I, I trampled all over our guest's contronym dreams. You did. He's like, how come I didn't get to do you it? You did. And he, was, and he was an esteemed academic. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to own it. So, yeah. yeah. So, what all do you right. guys think? Quality of contronym. I think it's a pretty quality contronym because, <laughs> it, you know, a garnish is something that's excessively additional. Mm-hmm. Whereas garnishing wages is excessively depressing. <laughs> All right. I don't know. What do you think, Stephen? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a typical engineer. It's hard to rate something unless I know oh, know yeah. the, the other other items in the field. Okay. Other things that are just being compared to. What's like our most classic contronym? <laughs> What's the top notch contronym? I'm, I'm going to reach back into my mind into the top hits, the top ten contronyms. Um, oh, what was a good one? My uh, favorite. My favorite's literal. I, l- I liked sanction. Sanction was because good. because of the confusion that it caused me in my real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you could sanction a positive thing. We just we'll see associate it normally with negative things, right? I, so uh, to kind of bring you guys up to speed, sorry viewers that I'm telling the story again, but I'd seen an article about uh, Disney sanctioning Rick Rubin for making a Star Wars themed album, but it, it, what it actually meant is that they had approved it. But I thought they had, you know. Imposed Re- strict him. sanctions. Yes, sanctioned Rick Rubin. Yeah, cut himself. off all of his subscriptions to Disney products. Yeah, yeah, Disney Infinity and whatnot. Right. Yeah, Took all of his little toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So maybe one of the qualities of a contronym is whether or not it can lead to awkward situations where the words moved mm-hmm. in one way or the other. So I, when I think garnish in terms of adding, I think of adding yes, like a small piece of uh, mint or something. Right, that's a garnish. Mm-hmm. But you can't. I don't think you could garnish someone's salary by by placing a dollar bill on their food. Like, could you? Because that maybe I mean, you could. Now that I've said it, I'm like, you've never tipped the waitress that you way. You could give someone I their mean, salary as a garnish yeah. on their meal, and that's. So I guess you could have it be the opposite. As, as Stephen pointed out earlier, given enough time and resources, really pretty much anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, including, yeah. When's our next payday? I was going like, to say, including yeah. a 10 minute long contronym corner segment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm start, I'm so this is the director's cut, clearly. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is an extended there's layer. A, there's a do-back in the background as well, just so everyone knows. I'm starting to really think this through, and I think film has really let me down in terms of paycheck. I just get one. There's no excitement to it. it they is. don't put anything pretty on it. Yeah, requested. Stephen Calendar would like to be paid in parsley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and and so that ends today's foray into contronyms. All right. Um, I have one little bit of housekeeping to cover. Uh, we have a blog. We and, do. And on that blog, um, we have many of Stephen's writings. Leaving that aside, we also have posts about these very podcasts and what's cool about those posts is that they offer a multimedia approach to the content that we've discussed so there are links and there are images Mm -hmm. and an embedded player Um, so you can have the entire multimedia intertextual podcast experience intertextual on the film and games that's a that's a lit theory term i'm (laughs) dragging that in from 2006 yeah 
but yeah, so check it out, filmandgames.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to the Film and Games Podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and well-informed, accurate observations about sports and such, subscribe today on Stitcher or iTunes.